Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. I'm Sarah and I have swapped Dan today. Um, Dan is probably to work's Christmas due or something like that. But I've swapped him for the fabulous, wonderful, amazing Monique Hanley. Hello, Monique. (laughs) Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm great. Now, Monique, if you don't know her, you should know her. She's fantastic. She's a former cyclist who's turns cycling activist i guess she's um part of the cycling victoria executive committee she's the chair of the cycling australia women's um commission and she does so much interesting work around cycling in general but particularly women's cycling and we are going to talk about australia because women's cycling in australia is about to hit this really interesting month and a bit isn't it yes yes it's the summer of cycling and it's cool to, to talk just about the women's summer of cycling. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's always good this time of year, isn't it? Because you start off with the Bay Crits, which, are, which we'll talk about all these races in a little bit. And then you kind of go into the road nationals. But we've got some really exciting developments, and especially about cycling races becoming UCI registered. And yeah. Does it feel different to you? Oh, definitely, and it's been a it's been a bit of a slow build. And in my mind, of it's it's not it's not building quick enough, but <laughs> it's it is building, which is which is definitely a great positive. And I think it will see it continue to build. Um, so it's very exciting. Yeah, we've got a UCI ranked event in Adelaide, um, but uh, it's not. It's not the first time that we've had UCI ranked events for women either, so it's good to see it return to Australia. Yeah, yeah, because I think it was back in 2008, wasn't it, when there was the Melbourne World, Round of the Road World Cup, uh, 2008 yeah, yeah. or maybe before then, and it's it's been one of those things that I've always found hard because... I think it's harder for women from Australia to get international cycling recognition and experience just because of how far you are away from everything. Yeah, absolutely, and that was the main driver for the event in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it was it was the Women's World Cup in Geelong, which was always the start of the season in February, and then there was a also a World Cup in New Zealand as well to make the trip worthwhile. So that was... Um, in so that we had the Geelong Women's World Cup, and we also had a um, a three day Geelong Women's Tour, which was a UCI ranked tour. Mm. So it was um, it was worth a trip, and you could you could do the the support racing that we have all through the summer. Um, and yeah, losing that, and and of course that impacted on the New Zealand event um, was a big loss. And for the the reason you mentioned, it it was a, just a drop off of having international experience at your doorstep so it's a big expensive ticket to get to europe or the u.s um so that yeah it has it it definitely made a big impact on the development pathway for our women Mm, yeah i mean it's been fun there always has been a load of um interest in your summer racing because you know i think about people like georgia bronzini for example who's been down there hitting up the bay crits and things for the last couple of years but it's also been like I think about Lauren Roney, who I think got her contract with um, uh, I've forgotten their name now, Specialized Lululemon at the time, off the back of her Bakeritz experience. And I yeah. So it's just like the fact that it's it does feel like it's a build, and a you know you dropped down and now you're building up, and that must be satisfying. Although as you say, not fast enough. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh no, it's it is great to see, and I guess the one. The one event that has stayed super strong through that whole whole period was Bay Crits, those um, the four days of um, uh, criteriums around Port Phillip Bay, so mostly Geelong and um, the west of Melbourne, and and they are yeah they're they're great great series and they get a lot of attention and it's some of the toughest racing you can ever expose yourself to. 40 degrees going flat stick, no let up, it's it's amazing. So if you can survive and thrive in that, um, the world takes notice and, and yeah, you can see with the, the pathways of Lauren and Lauren Rowney and Lauren Kitchen um, likes, yeah. Yeah, little, little Caleb Ewan, he, um, I liked the year where he basically beat Oracle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beat Oracle, yeah. so they had to sign him. <laughs> 
yeah. Yeah. Look, if you if you win a Bay Series event, it is it is significant because mm. it is such a tough, tough, tough series. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got and it's a it's a bit of a it's a mixture. So you you've got the start line, you've got a condensed um, intense circuit, not a lot of room. And you've got some very well-credentialed riders and you've also got some less-credentialed riders who are stepping up to the big time for the first time. Yeah. So the attitude with the racing is the first 20, 30 minutes is flat stick. So you, you, get, you, you just keep the contenders and that, is, that has been the style of racing since I've known it. Yeah, and yeah. then after that it's... Um, then the racing starts again. Uh, so it's if you can if you can get through that and you can you can win and beat so that which is crazy because you're coming you know the the pros the Euro pros are coming back um, in their off season. This is their first racing back yet they still take it really seriously. So it's quite a unique event that it's been still given such high regard um, given the timing and the intensity of it as well. And it's the week before road nationals, so there's mm. risk. You know, you're in, racing a intense hot crit. You know, you could the chances of crashing is uh, higher than just going out on a road bunch or a final motor pace before road nationals. Yet they still take it on. So it's um, it is a remarkable event, I think. Bay Crits. Yeah. yeah kudos, kudos to John Ify Trevorrow for for just um, keeping keeping it as awesome as it is. Yeah, yeah, I I, I love I love the Baycrit since I first came across it. I mean, it starts on New Year's Day, so it's yeah. like, and yeah. you know I, I've heard that Australians in general like to party. <laughs> yeah. So so you know, kind of giving up. So rather than going out and getting slaughtered on um on, on New Year's Eve, the Aussie cycling season get up on New Year's Day and see in the new year by hooning it round some ridiculous courses because they're not they're 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 four very different races, aren't they? Like you've got the yeah. Guinness stage and you've got that hot dog circuit, which is just terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and and the order now is is day one is the hot dog is a tight hot dog circuit. It's a it's only it's a very short circuit. It's like seven hundred meters. Um, so three fifty tight U turn, three fifty another tight U turn, <laughs> and repeat. And that's your first race. So it is leg burning slam on the brakes, corner, accelerate. And uh, if you're not in the top five, it's a very, very tough day. And what a way to, to kickstart your summer of racing with that, <laughs> with that one. It's crazy. And, and it's like, it's, so it's got the four different crits and it's got the overall um, title. And, and my friends Gethin and Nikki went last year and had an amazing time. And, yes. and it turns up with video and it's really easy to follow. And that's something that I th think of Australian cycling is, is it's your domestic season, the Sabara Road Series, the Bay Crits. It's, it's cycling Australia seems to make it very, very easy for me to follow from England, like easier than cycling, than British cycling does for me to see the English races. Yeah, no, I I agree. The The little packages that we do post-events uh, have been awesome and I love that they're now sort of part of the, part of the psyche of the of running events now. So they, they started and were funded through a... Um, Australian Sports Commission women women's sport media grant um, I think four years ago or something like that and that was able to fund the little race um, video packages for both the women and the men uh, for the whole NRS series now that funding since gone but it was enough it was enough seed funding and the results and the impact of those videos are so awesome that that it's now part of the I guess NRS business model and I hope I hope it continues to be because as you say they 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 tell the story well they they're getting the writers to help tell the story mm. it's it's put together really well and clever and and it helps develop our writers in their storytelling abilities as well so it's there's massive bonuses everywhere with it yeah, I, I'm I'm always shocked that no one nicks that model. To be honest, because I think the yeah. for such a short period of time, having you know a couple of key riders talk about the race in advance, and then 
showing the race footage with different rider voiceovers saying, oh my God, I was dying at that point, but I just had to do it. I had to try. Or when she went up the road, we were all laughing, but oh my God, you know, we, we then had to chase her down. It's just their personalities come through. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. It, and it's much, and much more interesting than just having someone like me going, yes, you know, at kilometre 15, Monique Hanley attacked. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Again, and failed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, but I, it's also a reflection and I don't, I guess it's, you know, it's the reality TV model of getting the contestants to tell the story mm. and retell what happened and it's that, that approach to cycling and it, it seems a little bizarre that it's not more common, yeah. more commonly used. Yeah, yeah, that's how I do it. Basically, if I was, you know, dear, dear anyone who's involved in media, steal this idea, man. <laughs> Go to the Cycling Australia website and just, just steal, steal their idea. They do it really well. <laughs> so yeah. you, you blast off the season with the Bay Crits, and I know I just keep laughing because it's just so hard. And yes. then you go straight from the Bay Crits just down the well, just down the road to Geelong for the Road Nationals, and they start with the Crit Champs on the sixth of January, the ITT on the seventh, and then the Road Race on the tenth. Yes, they're actually in Ballarat, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Geelong, Geelong's part of the Bay Series, so they do go down to Geelong. Um, so after yeah, uh, New Year's Day, there's two two stages in Geelong, and then a place called Port Arlington, and then back to Williamstown. Mm. So it's a big it's a big travelling roadshow, and then there's they've only got a couple of days before the um, before the Criterium, so, which is in downtown Ballarat. And that's also a hot dog circuit, but it's very different hot dog circuit to the Ritchie Boulevard route uh, course. Uh, the Sturt Street circuit's on a hill, so it's a hot dog on a hill, and it's a longer, <laughs> longer hot dog. And the turnarounds aren't as insane as um, as Ritchie Boulevard, but uh, but it's still nuts because it's on. It's got this massive long drag uphill to the finish line, and then. Uh, very slow turnaround at the top and then quite a obviously a fast descent and then the the down the turnaround down at the bottom it can be a bit uh, a little bit hairy if you don't get the angle right and then you're back into climbing again so it seems it's again there's no relief mm. um, but it's still a still a very very tough crit circuit. Yeah, super tough. And I feel sorry for your pure sprinters, actually, because, I mean, how long has the road Nats been on the same course now? Is it like 10 years or something? Or is it going to be 10 years? Yeah, so it returned, oh, oh I'm going to stuff it up, but it returned to Ballarat in 2007, because hmm. 2006 was in Adelaide. So yeah, pretty sure 2007. So it's, yeah, it was, it, it was in Ballarat back in 2002, 2003. I think Robbie McEwen won in 2002. Um, and awfully, I don't know who the female winner was in 2002. <laughs> um, but I do, yeah. Uh, so it was, was at Ballarat and on the Bunning Young course and then it returned in 2007 and it's been there ever since. And, yes, it definitely is an issue with um, the variety of the course. And they have tried in the past to... Um, change it up a bit. They had a couple of years ago. They had a longer road loop, which had less climbing, and then used the 10k standard loop as a finishing circuit. But um, that's a lot of you know. Still using the finishing circuit, still ended up with the same outcome. Mm. So just because the first 30, 40k's are a bit flatter, <laughs> didn't have a huge impact on on the last few. You know, yeah. race the race still is made on those final laps, um, regardless of how you what you've done coming into it. Everyone's on the same playing playing field in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's always won by some really interesting riders on the women's side, isn't it? I think great wasn't Gracie Alvin. She was only the second woman since she was only she was the first woman to win it two years in a row since. Um, yeah. Uh, I've completely forgotten. Kathy, I think. Kathy, what? Yes, which yeah. kind of says you know when you've got a race that. When you've got such good riders in Australia, but it takes so long for someone to win two years in a row, you know that's a tough race, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely. And that makes it pretty exciting, actually. And and this year is another year where you sort of you don't want to put your head um, hedge your bets on anyone. I think it's uh, yeah. 
And I guess it's it's going to be the same any year you come into an Olympic year, but the stakes are very, very high this year. So it'll be very interesting race. Last year, uh, Orica AIS didn't win. They had a few riders down there and they had three riders in the race. Mm. And um, they certainly tried to play their cards and it didn't fall in their favour. And I know that they'll be... I can imagine what their team camp plan will be and mm. that will be get this jersey back at, yeah. at any cost. Yeah, yeah. Ballarat will die. Also, <laughs> yeah. But that also provides opportunities for the other riders and I think the other riders are, um, you know, with the, with the depth of talent and experience increasing in the women's side, they'll be racing a lot smarter and, you know, I think if you're a, solo rider solo representative you'll be looking at other solo representatives mm. and going, yeah we'll just you know form a little uh alliance here against the uh <laughs> orica ais juggernaut yeah yeah and and of course you've got like the wiggle dream team who will yes. also will equally be wanting to um wanting to like uh, fire up you know wiggle, wiggle they're kind of wiggle hondas i guess australian development sister team sort of yeah i I don't know how much they'll be targeting the road race, um, but they're, they're definitely one that will be featuring definitely in the Bay Crits and, yeah. the, um, and the Criterium titles for sure. Yeah, yeah, Kimber's Wells, Kimberly Wells, I think. has it, it. But, it's, but it's also interesting because it's got so many chances, this race, and like you say, it's like Orica kind of rock up as the biggest team, you know, with the biggest numbers, yeah. but, but they don't have it all their own way do they because you know there's no. every everyone wants a piece of them and they don't get given an inch do they yeah yeah that's right and um and that makes it pretty exciting so i'm you know there's a lot you know there's a lot riding on on selection this year for mm. for the olympics and i think if you want to if you want to really put your hand up you need yeah. to be stepping up on um for road nets so that makes it really, uh, really exciting. I think if you're a if you're a rider who's suited to the course in Rio, you'll be you won't be holding back yeah, at yeah. road now. Yeah, you I won't be waiting waiting for the game to unfold. You'll be you'll be making sure you make the game unfold and that you're in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can imagine Tiffany. I mean, Tiffany Cromwell's got like my my star against her name already. Uh, and I think that you know it's going to be an interesting. T- it's just going to be fun to see who comes away with that green and gold jersey because it's just yeah, yeah. So and good. I think it's, I think I think there will be a little bit of pressure on on Tiff to to really come out and shine. Mm. I think she's going to have it hard because she's the only Australian there from Canyon, isn't she? Absolutely, so absolutely. It, it, yeah, even harder because she's down. Um, she's lost Lauren now, so yeah. she had Lauren last year. Yeah. So that'll. That'll be really, really interesting to see those dynamics unfold, and and even uh, you know Peter Mullins will be coming out, and she'll be she'll be on form and will be awesome again. But she will also be super marked by Orica AIS. So yeah. they're not going to let her do that, that again, because Peter Peter for people who don't know her is well predominantly a mountain biker, but yeah. I think she um. I think she took them a little bit by surprise last year and I don't think that she's going to have the chance to do that again. <laughs> well, I don't know if it, was a, if it was necessarily surprise. I just think they, Orica AIS in particular, just couldn't respond. They'd, um, all their bickies had been spent yeah. and the timing, Peter Peter chose a perfect time and um, and moved, went away with um, with Rachel and of course, Rachel's now with Orica AIS, so yeah. so you know those dynamics will change. So I think I reckon Rachel will be dead keen for the for the jersey this year, and yeah, like even within the Orica AIS squad, there's you know who who's the team leader. They've got a lot of cards they can yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, and Spratty's Spratty's won before, and Gracie's yep. won before, and yep. and you know Lizzie Williams is someone who who might yep. be interesting to watch. Absolutely. There's so many riders. I just Absolutely. I'm very excited. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and and the other aspect that's exciting this year is that there will be um, there'll be increased coverage of the race. So so that's exciting. The the actual race is moving to the Sunday. Mm. So it's previously been on the Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and they're moving it to the Sunday morning and marketing the event as a Super Sunday. So it'll be an early start, the eight eight a.m. start for the women. Um, but 
I think as it rolls, you'll be able to go out. I'm in Melbourne, so it's about a hour, hour 15 drive out there. You'll be drive out to Ballarat, watch the race, jump in the car, drive home, put the feet up, and then watch watch the race again on TV. <laughs> It's awesome. And, you know, starting early means the sun's not come out because you are having a very yeah. hot summer, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, right, yeah. In the middle of it at the moment, I'm, I'm still melting it even oh. at this hour. So after Ballarat, we then move, um, move, up, move to Adelaide and we've got two things going on. Um, we've got on the 16th to the 19th of January, we've got the Santos Women's Tour, which this year is UCI ranked. Um, last yes. year was the first year, wasn't it, that it was run as a women's tour? Yes, it was. There were always support crits um, uh, and they've been running in various formats um, and series for a number of years. But last year they pulled it together and called it um, a tour and gave it gave it an NRS ranking and it was actually it was a very successful endeavor the uh, we had uh, 95 starters for an NRS event which was a record for a women's NRS tour um, just straight off the bat at right at in January which is which is pretty incredible actually so that gave them a lot of confidence, I think, to take it the next step and get the UCI ranking, which is which is really good to see that progress, and I hope to see that continue. Um, obviously, the men's tour down under is a is a world tour ranked event, so um, I, in my mind, that seems you know the the ultimate would be for the for the women's tour to match that. That would be amazing. Yes, if the women's tour could join the women's world, the new women's world tour. I think yep. that would just be, well, I mean, for one thing, it's got the world, word world <laughs> in the title. So getting down to Australasia is quite important in my mind. But yeah, I, 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 yeah. It's, it's this year, it's the first stage is a road race. Then there's a crit. The third stage is another road race. And the fourth stage is a crit, which is, yeah. that's, it seems like that's going to be a hard race to win, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, so but it seems to be well. Last year's event um, was basically decided with a with a breakaway on stage one, mm. uh, with most of the other races resulting in a bunch sprint uh, finish. So, um, yeah, it will be hard. Will be hard to to get a really defining moment in the race, which will make it interesting. So, it. I guess it's the the bit of the yin and the yang for um, for road nationals in that this is. Pro- probably a tour a bit more suited to a sprinter Mm-mm-mm. yeah and and it looks it's just it just looks exciting i i think there's something about australian racing that feels very dynamic um when it's done well you know i love the way that some of the you know some of the nrs races promote themselves and this yeah. is i guess the teams with people having asked for a woman's tour down under for years there's yeah, like yeah. right now you've given us one we're gonna show you <laughs> we're gonna yeah, take it yeah and it's great to see um, Valentina Scandalara coming back. She won it this year, so she's she's coming back with her new team. Mm. Um, so that that'll that's really exciting to see that endorsement for the race as well. That um, uh, no longer with Orica AIS, so no no longer the national sort of Australian team. Yeah, um, obligated to race it, but she's she's bringing out her her new squad, which is which is a great glowing endorsement, I think. Yeah, I. Sorry, carry on. Oh, look, I was I was just going to say the other thing that makes the race really dynamic is the the alignment of particularly stage two, which is the crit um, in what they call the east end of Adelaide, which um, the it's well, it's more of a commise really. Um, it's about a two two point three k circuit around the east end, and it's right near a whole bunch of pubs and. The streets close, people come out, um, the end of the office day, the racing is in the evening, mm. early evening. You know, Adelaide in January is just this sort of this golden haze the whole the whole time. So it's it's just a l- really lovely vibe to be in and to be amongst it and to be to be racing in front of these really dynamic and happy crowds that are just just happy to be there the vibe is like yeah this is this is awesome sort of thing it's just this it's a really special place to be, to be racing in front of so i think that's that's also makes it 
makes it really special the the tour and i think when as a as a race grows and more women come to experience it i think they'll be returning just just as just to just from the good vibe that you get from from racing there yeah and, and adelaide's always got such an amazing cycling community i mean adelaide i always think of adelaide and melbourne as my two like places that i'd want to be a cyclist in australia for some reason yeah you know Ra- adelaide yeah. <laughs> yeah and and i guess it's the grass is always greener but from as a melbournian um adelaide in january you know you talk about everyone goes oh you going you going over you going over and and you say oh well you know I've got two small kids so no I'm not going anywhere but you know so you say oh no I'm not going this year and and they go oh you know <laughs> everyone everyone wants to go to Adelaide everyone wants to spend January because it's it's our you know school holidays everyone's taking it easy in January it's the middle of summer it's just in terms of event tourism they have. Um, South Australia events have done a magnificent job in getting that um, this is how you spend your middle of January. You come over to Adelaide and you you ride in the morning and you watch the the tour in the afternoon or or whatever. Or you just you just soak in the Adelaide scene for the for the week. So they've really done it well and every Melbourneian who's into cycling wants to go to Adelaide in January. <laughs> You make it sound like heaven. I'm just looked out from my window where the sky's grey and the rain's kind of pouring down my window, and I'm like, "Oh, I want to go." It is. It is. It, it totally is. It's there's something something special about the air over there when you arrive in in January. It's just oh. yeah. Oh, so basically, dear cycling fans, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about where to go to get away from Europe in the winter, go to Adelaide next year. It'll be amazing. Well, as a Melbourneian, come to Melbourne first. <laughs> <laughs> Fly into Melbourne, see Adelaide. Do Bay Crits, come to Road Nationals, then go to Adelaide. Yeah. I mean, and then we go up to, speaking of other beautiful parts of the world, we then go up to um, the Cat 11's Great Ocean Road Race on at the end of January, 30th of January. And that's um, we just realised that's been um, on the UCI calendar as having UCI status for this year. Has it has it been announced? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it was announced. <laughs> yeah, it's on the calendar. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, that's great I, news. Yeah, it's it's it's. I, I spotted it. Um, spotted it last week. So yeah, it's um, it's. I and mean, the Cat Eleven's Great Ocean Road Race. It, it ran for the first time last year, didn't it? And it had a men's yes. race and a women's race. And I nearly fell out with Dan permanently over arguing about whether the women's should be UCI or not. <laughs> Really? So I am so happy it is UCI now. <laughs> oh yes, um, yes, I am very happy and relieved as well. That's fantastic, really fantastic. Yeah, so I'm, it's good, I'm, and I'm, it's yeah, it's an important event um, for a number of reasons uh, as a Victorian, but it's also a unique event in in that the event is owned by the Victorian state government. So um, you know when you uh, run an event that favours that may favour men over women when it's yeah. funded by taxpayers. Yeah, that's a point of query. Yeah. Um, so it's really good to see that um, that they're that they're showing that you know they're they're here for everyone. So that's that's really important. And you know, I know when you when you start event for the first time, you need to test the waters. And I think that's why there was a bit of a cautious approach last year in not getting the women's status. So. So that's a really great outcome. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, I mean, the great, I just, the words Great Ocean Road just make me, oh, <laughs> I just have this vision of, of sunshine and the ocean and beautiful views. But but what's the race like? Well, what was it like last year? Because it's only gone once. Well, the, the race last year was, um, I, th- I thought it was a fabulous race, seriously. And I think there's huge potential. Unfortunately, it doesn't, doesn't take in as much of the awesome views of the Great Ocean Road as uh, perhaps Amy's Otway Classic and Amy's Tour, which is held in September. Mm. But it's still a fabulous course and it and it comes through and does a lot of the circuit of um, the uh, Melbourne uh, the World Championships from 2010. So oh. it does a little circuit of Geelong. Wow. Uh, women, women's race is, uh, is a bit shorter. It's 113 kilometres and it doesn't do a loop, but it does do some, does use some of the roads. 
And uh, last, well, well, it's it's still this year, isn't it? Last year we went down. I took my my kids down and had a sign on the side of the road. Uh, my daughter wanted to write "Happy Birthday, Racing Cyclists," so we oh. held that out, and uh, it was. <laughs> It was wonderful to see the first rider to come across was Kendall Hodges, who's a who's a local rider. So that was that was just really awesome to see that um, see the local riders. I mean, Kendall's a national and international standard racer, um, but just wonderful to see the homegrown riders um, on the attack and and making the race. So it was it was wonderful when to see uh, Rachel Naylor and counter on a hill and solo away for victory was just yeah just a that's just a gorgeous fairy tale right up of a or a way to way to roll out a race isn't it mm. that's the way you do it mm. yeah it's just I, I it's it's really exciting for me I, I'm, I'm I am a bit of an Australia fangirl I, mean, I think most British people are um but just this 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 series of great races, and now this series of great races with UCI points. And I know that yeah. the Great Ocean, the Cattle Evans race, came onto the calendar very very late into the UCI calendar. So you're not going to get as many big teams this year. But if all of these races are UCI next year, I can imagine that every rider who's looking out of the window at, at Europe is going, "Hey, tell you what," and who wants to ride something like the Women's Tour of Qatar races like that get into shape for early season is going to be saying to their team, "Hey." Can we go down there next year as well? <laughs> yeah, if you're a classics rider, definitely. And I think that's that's a real advantage that we have in Australia. Not only do we have these great events, but we also have loads and loads of uh, riding and racing opportunities. So we have in Melbourne, we have we have excellent crits every night of the week and um, every Saturday and Sunday, and it's a very flourishing crit uh, scene here. Lots of opportunities to race different things. We've got a velodrome. Um, we've got a great track calendar as well. So you'll have to bring out your road bike and your track bike. <laughs> or hire uh, one. Hire one when you're there. <laughs> Help the local economy. Gonna, actually, our first cross cross race in 2016 is in January. I think it's. Um, I think it's uh, Brunswick are putting. Oh no, Fields of Fields of Joy or Brunswick. I can't remember which one. One of our local. Uh, Cross Clubs is putting on uh, Ocker Cross. Uh, I think it's aligned with Australia Day, which is 26th of January. So it's some sometime around there. So our cross season is even is even getting into the summer of cycling as well. So you can bring your cross bike out as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I, but, love uh, I if if I was if I would uh, I just can't see why you wouldn't come out to Australia and do and do some of your preseason training out here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. There you go. Come, come out. to Australia. Yeah. And I mean I love your track stuff. I love the way that you've got the Australian Madison Championships for women as well. You've got your um paracycling track champs at the moment, haven't you? It's like yes. it's it feels like it's very I mean I always like your Australian paracycling because you've got so many amazing riders and the team has this insane team spirit. I can't wait for the Paralympics so I can be following all the Australians following and cheering each other on yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> Making me yeah, laugh. Yeah, and we've there's some been there've been some really good innovations in paracycling, um, some really good inclusive innovations in our time trialing series. Mm. So, um, so the categories can race against each other, which is which is really good. Um, it's nothing more frustrating when you don't have enough numbers in your category, but if you can combine, you're still pushing yourself. So, it's I love I love that we've been able to work around those those issues and still support the scene. And actually, you'll be excited to learn that Bay Series Race One, um, one of the support races, is the paracycling crit. That is so cool. Yeah. I, I love Australia. <laughs> I love Australian. I mean, the fact that you have this amazing Madison Championships as well, it, it, it's interesting. So I always think that Australia and Netherlands is the, are the countries that take women's Madison most seriously. And it makes yeah. me long to have one at the World Cups and World Championships. Yeah, well, I think it's, I think it's time that we definitely had a World Championship for women's Madison. So, um yeah, the uh, the Madison is a, is something that's I'm particularly passionate about. 
Um, and what I love to see, this, the, the, our Australian Madison Championships are on in Melbourne this Saturday and we've got 11 women's teams lining up. Wow. Which, are, which is fantastic, fantastic depth. And we still have riders that, uh, that race last year that uh, I think have um, team commitments. Macy Stewart, for example, um, is, is not down this year mm. but raced last year. So, so we've got this great depth of, of women who are really keen to step up. And, and of course, and what, what honours me even more is that Annette Edmondson and Jess Mundy, who won the inaugural um, championship in uh, two years ago, uh, you know, are still dead keen to ensure they're fit and firing for Saturday night and they'll be going for their third um, consecutive Australian Madison Championship title. Wow. And if you include, include the demonstration event in 2012, it would be their fourth. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, I love that they're so passionate about it and that's, that's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. And again, you always have great coverage of these things and I, you know, if people want to go to Cycling Australia website, which I really, I mean, I did have a little bit of problems trying to find the, you know, a definitive calendar with all the different races on it. But, you know, that's cycling for you, isn't it? But there's loads of great coverage. Well, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. So, so this weekend, Saturday night would be um, a hashtag Austral. um, um, Because the, the Madison Championships is aligned with the Austral, which is our oldest wheel race, um, it's been running for 118 editions, and um, and so that's a that's a handicap track race, and we've got 55 women lining up for that. So there'll be heats and um, top, I guess, top five or so um, winners of the heats will go through to the final, and the final will be held on Saturday night as part of the same program with the Madison Championships. So. The Austral's very prestigious and I would love to give a tip but there's <laughs> 55 women <laughs> and, and uh, it's, it's anyone's guess. It's also the first year they're running it over eight laps so usually the women's, Madis, uh, women's Austral, they um, have it slightly shorter uh, over six laps. So that's going to be interesting as well. So eight laps and the breadth of talent in the women's field is is pretty amazing so it's it's gonna i think that'll go in the favor of the scratch markers mm. i think is my hunch so it might be a double for annette edmondson yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the and the and the um madison championship if she can do the three-peat wow and then and then get her then get her eye on the track world championships and sorry track world cup in hong kong track world championships and then the olympics <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. I mean, Anna Mears coming back to, you know, Anna Mears um, have, have, have taken some some time out being back on the track, but also having Steph Morton having stepped up and Carly McCulloch yeah. and then Nettie yeah. and the, and, you know, your amazing team pursuit squad and yeah. Nettie in the Omnium. I think there's going to be some, uh, yeah, there's going to be. Don't want to be a selector. So, there are some really fabulous um, talent, and and really, and what's what's really cool is the drive there, the the commitment um, from Anna and Steph and Carly is just phenomenal. So, yeah, you can't you can't knock anyone's prep, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, good luck to to the selectors on trying to make a decision <laughs> on, on those. And this, and equally with the track endurance program, but yeah, it's wonderful to have so much, um, so much talent and dedication to choose from. But obviously, it's not just talent. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, very exciting. Oh. so what else have we missed in January? We have got Bridie O'Donnell's hour record attempt happening at the same time yes, as the Tour Down yes. Under. Yes, another reason. Another reason to head to Adelaide. Yeah. And I, I, I interviewed her a couple when she announced it, and I have a feeling with Bridie O'Donnell that she's not going to have announced that she was trying for it if she didn't, if she wasn't seriously thinking she could beat it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, um, I think, from all indications and seeing her, seeing her in form at the, um, we had a big, big money criterium just last Sunday. Seeing her uh, set 
you know, setting the pace of the field, sitting on 46 k's an hour, going around the crit circuit. Um, I think she's, I think she's definitely building up very well, and I think I think signs are very good for a, for a record there. But um, so hopefully that that continues through January. Yeah. And is there anything else I've missed out from the Australian January? Oh, I, gosh, I th- no, I think that's it. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's enough. Isn't it wonderful? To, but isn't it wonderful to have so much stuff? Like, I, yeah. I really feel yeah. that cycling in Australia is, for women is, is, you know, there's been some hiccups in the last couple of years. And I think, you know, losing the national team, I, I, I'm laughing because it was, it's so outrageous, for example, was you know, on the road, but was was a bit of a hiccup. But it's it does feel like you're in a good spot. Do you do you feel that or? Yeah, I think um, I think Richmond uh, World Championships was a great indication of um, the team. I think it's turned a corner, and I think it's um, in a similar position to the US a couple of years ago, where they they've just really put their hands up and and have said, yeah, we're players mm-hmm. and we're here to play. And I think that's that was really exciting. It didn't work out in the in the final results, but um, you still have to you still have to come out and play to to be in there for the results. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. I think that was that was really exciting and not looking you know, um, yeah. The results are are one thing, but I definitely what was more important and really exciting was that they stepped up, played, made the race, were in every move, um, and were not shy at all. So that's that's really exciting, and I, I think uh, I reckon twenty sixteen is going to be another good year. Not only that, we've got a we've got a number of within the on the national level a number of uh, transitioning athletes coming in to the sport from other disciplines, other other sports. Mm. And I think uh, nationals, and I think the time trial, we'll, we might see some of those some of those riders emerge. So that's that's exciting as well. So the the top the top riders are are becoming stronger on the world front, um, but they've got some some really exciting uh, women coming in behind them as well. So yeah, it is an exciting time for yeah. Australia. Yeah, I think when Valentina Scandalara and Lauren Kitchen were in that final attack. If, if yeah. Valet or Lauren or both of them, if Valet and Lauren had ended up on the podium, I would have cried because oh, they no. deserve it so much. I was just yeah. yelling at the TV, like, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, that would have been a double Aussie win. <laughs> <laughs> have you claimed Valentina then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And have absolutely. you still? And even though Emma, well, I guess Emma Johansson's moving from Oracle to Wiggle, so that still counts. That still counts as Aussie, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah, no, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yep, yep. Yeah. So. Spreads. So the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is a bit of a tone change. I mean, obviously you do a lot of work with Cycling Australia and Cycling Victoria. And the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was we had a really interesting um, podcast and and article about Genevieve Johnson that Kirsten Frattini did on Cycling News that came out in the last few weeks. And one of the things that was very telling about it, I know that Genevieve Johnson was, was you know, they were talking about the nineties and early two thousands. She, for people who don't know, she'd been basically doped by her coach and a doctor since she was 16 years old, 15 years old and been in a very, very abusive relationship, being abused by her coach, um, you know, physically and emotionally and sexually. And, the Kristen Fratini had talked to people who could corroborate elements of her story, elements of her abuse from the time. And I was wondering, as someone who's involved at a you know regional and national level, what what that story means to you about hey, how can we stop this sort of thing happening again? Because you know, it, depressing chances are it probably is happening right now, isn't it? I I I would have to say and it I think it's absolutely happening right now and we don't know about it and we don't know about it because we're not asking about it mm. and we're not encouraging um people to speak out about it and we're not uh helping riders and people involved in the sport to to look out for it so I think in line of um you know, just just listening to Johnson's whole uh, podcast and listening to everything, and uh, there's you know 
been hearing lots of lots of stuff this year. Um, in in Victoria, we've had we've had a we've had an incident um, uh, of a you know inappropriate and unlawful coach and athlete relationship. And yeah, there's there is not enough evidence to have any confidence that it's not happening. Mm. If I've used too many negatives, I think there's we don't know. But I'm I'm confident. I unfortunately I'm pretty confident that it is definitely happening, which is um, which is not good, not no. good at all. No, no. I mean, it's I think the hardest thing for me about this about the John Johnson's English story, this this insightful news, was all the people who could corroborate it. And while I'm not going to ever ever criticise young writers who you know who didn't who didn't know what they could do about it. I feel that mm. if so many young riders and people knew about it, then race officials knew about it. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. team people knew about it. And uh, it, it, it's, I, I have a lot of praise for the riders who, who put their names to it and publicly said, yeah, I saw this happen or I saw her covered in bruises because, you know, one could, crit one could criti I, you know, one could criticize them. But for every one of those people who says, I saw it, there must've been 10 or 20 other people at that race in that, hotel at that you know what I mean yeah. who are invo involved in it and that's that's a that was difficult for me yeah and you know maybe people did say stuff uh, we're still evolving in how we treat um, abuse mm. as a society and I think even in Australia our current Australian of the year is um, there was a woman named Rosie Batty who um, lost her son to um, domestic violence mm. and uh, her strength of character and being able to talk about it has really changed the tone in Australia and we've, we're really seeing a, a different conversation happening which is, which is really encouraging but it shows that we have a really, really long way to go mm. on, um, on how we treat and consider um, abuse and in this case I you know a lot of the um a lot of the elements that we're talking about and what is really shocking is it is it is domestic abuse um if it's in, if it's in a relationship it is you know it is domestic abuse and we I don't think as a sport and um, and beyond that I don't think as a society we're still ready to talk and deal with it yeah. We've got a really long way to go, and unfortunately, that's reflected in in cycling. If we if we don't even acknowledge it and um, and investigate it, so what? And I know, and I know you you agree with this, and I've I've read your articles on this, but um, you know the the CERC report that was released earlier this year, and the the references that it made about allegations of financial and sexual abuse of women in cycling is shocking um but it's even more shocking that nothing has been done to investigate that yeah yeah so as someone who does work in federations do you have any ideas about you know what you'd like to see federate you know not not necessarily yours but any federation kind of doing to help or to change things um i i was really encouraged by the um by the city of cycling canada in what they in the actions that they have taken, and I think that's a really important step, um, particularly in coach-athlete relationships. Um, part of it is education, and um, it's well, it's it's a number of factors. One is I think they talked about um, uh, enforcement, so ensuring that uh, you you only employ coaches that are that are qualified and part of the system, and that know the you know. The processes, and I think in Australia we're we're a lot better at um, coaching accreditation processes, and we do a lot of um, the Australian Sports Commission have standard coaching modules, and um, so that so there's there is some, I guess, a greater sense of comfort in terms of ethics in sport that mm. doesn't exclude um, behaviours as well, but there's also expectations in how. Uh, coaches should deal with athletes so the expectation is that a coach doesn't take an athlete to its side particularly a junior athlete 
so there's no talking in private, that sort of thing. Um, those those sort of things are really important measures. They're very subtle and they're not strong measures, but they're still in, important. So that I think it was encouraging to see that with Cycling Canada, that reinforcing that um, that their coaching accreditation program um, should be is uh, is as as enforced and as strengthened as possible, and that um, people looking for coaches should ensure that the coaches come from that from that stock. Um, the other thing is, is knowing when you're new to the sport, there's a lot of things you need to learn about the sport. And, and one of the, one of the issues is understanding what, what a role of a coach is, but that also goes beyond to a team environment as well. What's the role of a team manager? What's the role of a mechanic? What's the role of a swanier? Um, and I don't think we do enough to explain and ensure what is appropriate and what's not appropriate. And that's just a that's a education thing, and that is um, I think that's quite a um, another simple and small preventative tool on expectations of roles. Mm-hmm. So so lines aren't as you know crossed as easily. I think I think there's there's a lot of things that we can do in that sense. That's that would be relatively easy um, or simple to implement. The other thing that the Australian Sports Commission here in Australia has introduced in all our national sporting organisations is member protection policies. Mm -hmm. And um, so on the ground that is seen as most uh, all clubs are encouraged to have a member protection information officer. So that's a neutral person in the club who's aware of the processes and on the ground in an ideal situation it's someone that you could approach to say, having an issue with um, inappropriate behaviour or something and or I'm concerned about um, a, an athlete, uh, you know, in, is in a certain situation or what, whatever the scenario is that mm. the member protection information officer can offer advice and um, offer advice on the process through the member protection policy. So, so there's a policy that helps guide through, um, through issues. And within the member protection policy, there's some pretty strong statements about, um, about co- coach-athlete relationships mm. and, um, and general behaviours as well. So, there's, so there are some elements there that are, that are encouraging, but there's also I think that there's more that we can explore to on the preventative and policy sense as well so um that was quite a rambling answer and it's not a certainly not an easy area because uh, there's a lot of gray there and and yeah it's definitely not easy but also fundamentally we really don't know we don't know and don't understand um the extent of the problem that there is because we're not asking so i think we would have the answers have better answers if we ask the right questions first and get the information and understand what the the extent of the problem that's that um, I'm pretty sure is out there. I don't know. I don't know how prevalent, but I'm pretty sure is out there. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess doping. The thing that's interesting about Johnson and also Tammy Thomas's story, who has a similarly awful story, is about how you know doping is interlinked with it. When you, when you read about athletes being doped by their coach and then blackmailed into doing things because yeah. if you don't do it I'll expose you as a doper kind of makes me so cross because it's like well you know there's no that <laughs> you know the, the coach uh, the thing about Johnson is her Canada has banned for life her former coach and her former doc and her former doctor which is you know absolutely as it should be but you know this is why it's like yeah let's let's be a bit more hardcore about if someone's if a coach is doping an athlete is that the only, you know what I mean? Is that, is that, is yeah. that, is that, that's not necessarily the be all and end all of an issue. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's a, it's a really complex topic. Mm-hmm. topic. It really is. And I don't think we, yeah, if, I don't think we know. We just don't know what, what's going on. And that, and that's a bit scary. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, mad, massive kudos to Kristen Frattini on cycling yeah. news for, for doing this her story was so well put together and you know she had a ton of resources about people if they're worried about issues in Canada and I've got some resources on my blog and I'll put some resources up with this post about 
resources in Australia. So if anyone's you know worried about these issues, they've got somewhere to go. But you know, massive, massive kudos for Cycling News for doing that. Like I yeah. have so much admiration for them because you know. Uh, yeah, I yeah I, I totally agree, and I think it's a it's a sensitive topic, but it's it also it's really really important to be told. So yeah, it's it's um yeah I agree. And it's really, um, it's it's hearing um, Genevieve's story and and refreshing my memory of of the of the news that I I remember hearing at the time and listening to athletes who who would race against her. It brought, brought back a whole bunch of memories, um, and I'd, it made me think about all of that stuff in in a much different light. Hearing that podcast and hearing hearing the perspective from Genevieve and it's not um, it's not as black and white mm. and and we need to consider that and we also need to work out how we can prevent uh, what are the what are the protective factors that we can ensure are embedded in the sport to reduce the risk of this happening and I don't think we've we've really sat down and thought about that as collectively as a sport and there's a great opportunity for us to do that yeah yeah and you know, and for Genevieve, it's small con- con- cons- consolation. But if, if by telling her story, it, it prevents you know it prevents other young girls getting in getting caught up in the same you know thing, then that's yeah. that's 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 a you know that's that's a positive you can take for something awful, isn't it? You know, like we're talking about things, we are changing things, and there's people like you involved in the sport who are very 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 keen to make you know to do all you can and you know thank you basically for all your work because you do a ton of work <laughs> and I know it's, well, I, well. I know it's not always easy for you but I feel like you should be so proud of yourself and where Australia and cycling is you know cycling in Victoria cycling in Australia it, it seems like it's in a good place it is in a good place but I I can't take kudos it's it's all about, you know, we, you can't change the world on your own, <laughs> but you can encourage uh, people to, to swim in the right direction. And I think, um, yeah, if you can encourage people to, to act and work together to, to change stuff, it's, it's pretty cool what you can see. Mm. Um, but I, what really struck me from Genevieve's, comments was that yeah was the question about why she was coming forward now and why she wanted why she was talking about it now or agreeing to talk about it now and the the story that she gave about the monsters under the bed as a kid she used to be afraid of monsters under the bed and then she but she thought it was silly and didn't want to talk to anyone about it but she then um came across other kids who were also scared of monsters under the bed and by talking to each other about it, she felt better about and uh, and was able to cope with it a lot better. Mm. And that struck me. <laughs> I just thought it was such a um, striking analogy that, yeah, how many other monsters under the bed are there mm. and how can we encourage um, others to take action and to understand and to get people to come forward so we can understand and take action to uh, prevent monsters under the bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing what happens. I, I look forward to seeing your work because if I know anything about you, Monique, um, I know you'll be uh, poking poking things into action. Yeah, well, I've actually um, i have I have started some poking <laughs> um, on on that, and um, yeah, I hope. Hope to see, hope to see some, some action. I think, um, yeah, I think it's really timely, and it's really, uh, I guess, also the context in Australia as well. Um, Victoria Police recently did a; it was just an, an anonymous survey of uh, the Victorian Police Force for of women, and they uncovered an enormous amount of sexual harassment and all sorts of atrocious behavior in the Victorian police force which is shocking and embarrassing and and terrible but um, the process and the way they went about it uh, by encouraging people to come forward without uh, fear of repercussions was 
was a really good model and uh, now earlier this week they announced that the um, the firefighting firefighters in Victoria, the um, MFB and the CFA, our, our two firefighting bodies, will be also going through a similar similar process. And so there's in across society we still we're still on the we're still starting to really uh, we're starting on this long journey. And and sport can sometimes lead and can sometimes follow. And I think we're following a little bit but it's time for us to catch up and and really start to understand the problem yeah yeah well thank you so much for your time today tonight thank you in the middle of the night in boiling hot melbourne um if people want to follow you and follow your work where do they find you uh my twitter is monique hanley um that's where i do most of my cycling ranting <laughs> and, um, they, and they can see your work on cycling victoria's website it's got a ton of resources for all sorts of things it's got some really good stuff about getting involved with women um in in club riding it's got some amazing stuff about um involving involving diverse communities so if you're involved in cycling out there and you want to see some stuff just head over to cycling victoria's website and yeah, in, in, enjoy the summer of cycling. Um, I'll have links to all these races, links to everything we talked about today on my blog, prowomencycling.com. And yeah, um, keep fighting the good fight, Monique. No worries, and I'll see you out in um, Australia <laughs> and everyone listening at Australia next summer. Come on down. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a next this time. This time next year, we'll we'll have a Melbourne and Adelaide live live podcast. Yeah, we'll do it face to face. That'll be wonderful. Excellent. We'll take care of you. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thanks for your time too, Sarah, and for all your work. <laughs> wonderful and important. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> Thank you very much.